Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks for checking out our year-round carnival review edition. Bit of Benny Hill theme. Why? Well, Benny Mellon rode the winner. We can't take ourselves too seriously. We take our work seriously. Can't take ourselves too seriously sometimes at times. And Vince Accardi from Daily Sex Shows. Good morning, mate. Rolfie, good morning to you. Well, Benny Mellon stole the show on uh, on Saturday at Perth. That was the inch perfect ride. And what did we say on Thursday, on uh, Friday, on the preview and on the update? It's going to be about the lanes. Well, where were the winners? <laughs> First, second, third in the winner bottom. They were out wide. Well, this is it, isn't it, Ralphie? This is it's 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 always about that. It's all always about the lanes. And Pauline got the record for the day. Lane eighteen. I mean, unbelievable. Could you have wished for anything better than that? No way, right? Actually, that race is really ironic in many ways. Firstly, when you look at the race, Rolfie, and you ask yourself the question, the winner, lane 18, the second horse, lane 13, the third horse, lane 15. So, And they, all three of them, in terms of the characteristics of the day and the way the track played, they couldn't have been any better because those three horses were virtually the widest all day for all races. Yeah, and as you always say, you need that opportunity to be able to get out there. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to be wasting energy. But in a big field, the slingshot applies. Yeah, and, and, and the second part of that about how crazy the race was and fantastic in some ways is where do they all come from? The three of them. It's just like... You couldn't have scripted it any other way. Like if you were trying to make a movie or something in, in advance to say this is how it should be run, this is what should happen, who on earth would have thought that those three horses would have been last, second last and third last at pretty much until they got oh, to the inside the home turn? Yep. Who would have thought that? Well, I... I, I... For, for those of us who, ba- who were barracking for Miss Contiki, uh, I was hoping that's where she'd be, and probably Elite Street, but instead they were posted super wide, but we'll get to them. Uh, so a number of ways we're going to pull this apart. I want to start with one, though, Fitz. Every every time, and I know you t- t- you tend to block out the noise, but it always amuses me in big races how often the winner comes storming down the outside, the best part of the track. If there's a high-pressure situation, that's where they're going to be, and that's exactly what you said on Friday. And... The best training a horse at the elite level isn't just about training, it's about tactics. Well, hello. I'm looking at an article here from before the race, finally. Uh, Brad Bishop writes this for Thoroughbred News. The second widest barrier probably wasn't what James Cummings would have selected given the choice, but he sees advantages in it for Paul Ely and Saturday's winner bottom stakes in Perth. Ensures the four-year-old be left alone early in the 1,200-metre mark when the Godolphin trainer suspects will provide an improved performance. I think we probably had a little close-up two, two ago in the Manicato. I don't think he's a straight horse. He was forced to compete up the straight against Nature Trip and others last start. So he gets around a bend. If he's left alone early from wide draw, which probably forced our hand, it's probably what Paul Ely's been crying for. Vince, on the Monday after the uh, after the Manicato, I remember specifically you were saying, this horse is not suited to going fast early. No, no. It's, it's really ironic when you look at it. I mean, a horse like Paul Ailey, 
uh, again, I'm just taking an inward look pers- on a personal level, yep. right? It's a horse that I had such high hope for during the campaign and one that I personally thought I could have inched out some good money out of this horse, right? And, of course, that never eventuated for me to, to that extent. But what was really evident, I mean, you look at the race, when they jumped out of the gates, Malum, the horse was going, like yep. moving. But just like you said, simply didn't have nowhere near the speed to be in a better position. And that, yes, that wide gate just forced it on natural capability to roll back to the end. This will test you. I mean, that was the run I ended up being on, Ralphie. Now, you, yes. like, you like each way. You go, this was clearly the one you marked on the Friday podcast. And you can listen to this, by the way. We always put them up unedited, whether we get them right or wrong. It's always there unedited. You can listen to how we looked at it beforehand. And th- this will test you as the one you zeroed in on. Oh, that's the one I zeroed in on. Yep. Now, that runner, on when you initially look at it and it missed the start, you think, oh, my goodness. But to the rider's credit, she actually did the right thing and didn't try and hustle it too much, right? Yep. And as it turned out, <laughs> however you want to paint the picture, it, that was the place to be. That was the place to be. The only difference, really, in my view, outside of a marginal split in the lane, says, so let's have a look at this. Paul Laley, last 200 metres, plus 4.4. Kiss on all four cheeks, plus 2.5. This will test you, plus 2.7. Then we look at the early speed. 2.9 lengths below benchmark to the 800 metre mark, Paul Laley. 1.4 for, this is below benchmark for Kiss and All Four Cheeks, and this will test you as 1.8. So between first and third, as an example, there's a length separating those three horses, and they're running last, second last, and third last. <laughs> and then when we look at the finish, yes, Paul Laley probably brought one length. Maybe if I want to be really tough, half a length. Half to one length is the advantage the horse got out of that lane when compared to the other two two runners, even uh, look, more so against yep. the others. You, you mentioned uh, the, the, this will test you missing the start. Lucy Warwick, I've got a quote here from RaceNet. they got the jockey quotes here. Absolutely phenomenal run. This is a this will test you. A lot yes. went wrong in the gate. She put her head down in the Velcro of the blindfold, got stuck in front of the gate, so that's what's not meant to come off until last minute. Then trying to get to it was annoying her even more. We got rid of it. By the time she jumped, she was a bit flushed and she slipped and missed the start. Anyway, an amazing run, to be honest. She overcame everything and ran the best race she possibly ever run. It's just unfortunate. Vince, <laughs> there's your chaos theory again there. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that, yes, very good. Well, here's the thing. One of, like, like everything, when you sit back and you try and peel back, okay, how are you going to grade the race from a betting point of view? Like, it could never have been a max bet for me because of the rider, but I learned, I learned so much more about this rider. And I could, like, she'd never won a group one race before. So there's just that little bit. When, when you compare now Ben Mallum and now Lucy. Now, okay, you had those little issues, but, Taking that aside, I felt in the end, despite that happening, perhaps, perhaps, if the horse got clean and they would have been where they wanted to be, this horse may not have finished in the money in the end, right? Exactly. Uh, Just because all the on-pace runners, forget about them, they got blown up, right? So unless you then had the golden ride, but what I learned about Lucy was in comparing the two rides, when it counted... She just made some very subtle mistakes, 
And that was the difference. Just a little bit of procrastination coming to the turn. Just her placement. slow down there between the 400 and 200. Yep, yep. Just, just that little bit of placement, Ralphie, cost you the money. Where, when you look at Ben Mellum, uh, stunning. Yep. So smart. He went out with the right intentions. He allowed the horse to be the horse. He realised the horse absolutely wasn't going to have any pace and wherever the horse was going to settle, he was going to be happy with because otherwise it's going to be about where you got caught. Then his move, look at the move. Six of the four, one length above benchmark. Four to the two, 1.3. Last 200, 4.4. Absolutely sensational in the way he finished off that ride. And design or no design, it was very evident that his intentions were, I'm getting out wide because <laughs> I know I'm going to be in fast ground. If the horse is good enough, we get the money. And that's what happened. So after the Caulfield Guineas Day win... Uh, Paul Lely, we wrote this in Sizzlers, 2.7 lengths above benchmark, ranked sixth on the day. We sizzled him from first up Mooney Valley on a leader's highway when minus 0.2 lengths below benchmark, saying he definitely did enough to run to a level next up, particularly up in trip. That's exactly what occurred and more to come. 0.1 at the 800, still getting the speed. 1.2 mid-race, minus 1.4 last 400. Of note, he suffered a two-length slowdown from the 600 to 400 and then dropped away despite winning last 200 by 2.4 lengths. His all-time best is four. Uh, 4.0, set Randwick last year. No reason he can't test that next start, and that may be a conservative call. Well, Vince, he didn't get the four at Mooney Valley. He had the bad experience of the Mooney Valley uh, Manicato being called off on the Friday night and then running on the Sunday and overexerting. And then we said this in the podcast. All you had to do, you had to forgive that he had a bad experience at Mooney Valley and he didn't let down up the straight. And not letting down up the straight is actually a real thing. Um we're not saying we we pushed it. We're saying that's what the case was. Well, his best was four four. What would he do on Sunday? Well, firstly, he did do plus four point one, Ralphie. So, so match his all time best. Yes, but you did say in the podcast about that Flemington run. Now, this was the challenge for me on a, again, like everything. Yep. we're all form students. We all do our own work, right? And yes, there is a serious side to it. it I just couldn't overcome that myself. That run. Yes. Because otherwise, I, I should have had a, a massive collection. In the end, I had a small collection. I'm not unhappy or anything like that, right? But the reality is, if now we look at rider versus rider, horse versus horse, right? Yep. And then you had the two, if you had those two pieces on the jigsaw, you know, in, in, on the chessboard, you would have always been, in, in the end, leaning towards a horse like Paul Laley, right? If But I couldn't overcome that last run, Ralphie. Even when I was listening to you and you were <laughs> saying this in the podcast about the straight and what it can do, and I just said, well, I, I went, <laughs> this is probably the, the hard side for me or let's call it the dark side for me, is, you know, I'm all about the numbers. I believe that's what keeps my mind sound and and consistent. I just couldn't find it anywhere in the numbers for me to be able to elevate myself to propel it forward. And now, of course, like everything, I do have to take note into the future about this situation when a horse like Paul Ailey in a straight racing may not be a, a horse that can perform in the correct manner. Because again, like you said, Ralphie, and this horse has had now a couple of goes of Flemington, and if I look at the, the two most recent starts at Flemington, they're both shockers. And then if I go back even further, right, 
the horse in, in its whole life had three and never got closer than a few lengths. So, oh, well. No, no, and, and look, particularly since I've been working with you, Vince, one of the, you know, I'm trying to immerse myself in numbers, obviously, but uh, I did speak to a jockey and he said, look, the one thing is straight form is so real because horse, some horses just don't change legs, don't train, don't let down, and others <laughs> others are just brilliant at just uh, producing a turn of foot in a straight line. So uh, that, that's a little quirk. Yeah, so good, good on all the people that did manage to get on it. Yep. and back it like i said for myself they were very generous as in the end I, I i'm not saying i was the cavalry that made a difference in putting the price right in but certainly it was well supported the third horse kissing all four cheeks this is another runner i had high expectation that we could make so much money out of this horse absolute big disaster in melbourne right of yep. course we know this horse had once dry ground but that run was outstanding and is this horse going to be backing up into that 1,400-metre race that you talked about, Ralphie? We might talk about that for a group. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> so, but Chris, last, Chris yeah. this, you, before you say what, he, what she did, Chris Parnham said this on RaceNet, massive run. I thought I was going to win. It was just the last couple of strides. Paul either got over the top of me. Tremendous run, a mile back to 1,200. Good effort. I thought it was sensational now out of those three horses. Yep. That, if we talk about penalties – that one got the bigger penalty when compared to Paul Ailey, right? Yep. It's lane 13 versus 18. There's a five-lane difference. You can almost dial that down to being a length, right? Yep. So unbelievable in terms of performance. Now, I did want to ask you again because I have not looked, Ralphie. I'm not one that goes looking at after comments. Was there any communication on Rothfire? Right. Uh, well, and you're exactly what I was going to get to. Um, your, your biggest conviction on Friday was this horse was just insanely silly price at, at, as favourite. You, you, I think you said 25 to 1 you wouldn't take. Damien Oliver's uh, Kodath race, great run. We had a nice run just behind the leaders. He was brave and tough, but it just felt like the race suited the swoopers today. He was certainly one of the tougher on paces out of the race. Your thoughts? Right. Okay. I just I just wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything that um, potentially maybe something wasn't a hundred percent right or pulled up after the event, not in the, the greatest of uh, ways. But performance wise, if we look at it from that perspective first, I mean, fantastic. It actually did go to another level. Uh, when I, yeah, well, if you want to call it another level, two point three, and this is largely to do with. I mean, Damien, man. <laughs> he, he's such a great rider. Right? This horse has to lead, doesn't it? No. <laughs> no, no, not with Damien. He's too smart. He's just way too smart. And that that makes a big difference. And I felt that that's how we got an extra half length out of the horse, right? Yeah. Now, yes, he is right as well, that being where he was lane-wise, which was always going to be a challenge for him, right? Yeah. Especially if you're on, on pace type pack. You, it's hard to get out in those big lanes. You're not going to get out to 18, 14, 15, Ralphie. It's just too hard, right? Especially when you're running with speed. And the horse ran with good speed, 1.9 above. I love the way even was able to accelerate a little bit further between the 8 and the 400, went to plus 2.7. There was about a half-length drop-off before the four from the 4 and the 2, right, for this particular runner. Very similar to this will test you. So they had very similar scenarios. But the finish, of course, in the end, wasn't there for two factors. Number one, the speed the horse is tra travelling at, the ground, the lanes, and was pretty soft in the end. But performance-wise, at least 
this horse has been able to run to that level and hopefully we're going to see it into the future. The challenge, of course, for this type of horse is where do they go? What do they do with it? That's the hard part because if I'm not mistaken, I was listening to some of the communications, you know, during the, the race day. Is there some big sprint race going to be like like the Everest in Western Australia next year? Uh, well, they could be. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were I, talking I, I about it. About that. Uh, so the gold rush is in two weeks time, 1,400, and uh, Fire isn't it? Uh, it is in the market. So what I'll do for the Group 1 members, we'll do a little podcast after this that uh, we'll email you uh, just Vince's thoughts on Paul Eadley kissing all four cheeks and Rothfire into the 1,400 in two weeks' time. Um, the, uh, yeah, Elite Street planted wide. Brad Willer gave himself a bit of a caning and obviously Miss Contiki also out there and uh, and they, they ran bravely. But just to some, some finish up with Rothfire, the clear step point is, Prior to his injury, he was a plus four, plus five superstar or potential superstar. Hence, why he started so short in the uh, in the um, Golden Rose. Um, and since then, phenomenal job to get him back. But he's a plus two range horse. Yeah, and, and this is the one thing that I uh, failed to communicate. Again, you know, it's all upon reflection. One always tries to understand how they can be better in their own individual performances. Is that what I failed to communicate pre-race in our podcast? was there's a really because I, I i didn't when i talk to you ralph and we do these uh, podcasts i don't sit there with a pre-scripted plan right about what i'm going to say and what's going to be communicated i rely and because i have total faith in you right as a person and we've been doing this for as long as i can remember and that's like we'd have to be almost a decade between us right in terms of yep. bantering right I rely upon you, you know, saying, okay, this is the runner we're going to talk about, and I wait for that moment, right? And then I dive into it, and whatever my thoughts are in that moment is what's happening. Now, I couldn't believe myself saying the things that I was saying about the price and how negative I was on Rothfire, and I wasn't trying to communicate to say this was a bad horse, right? I was just purely looking at numbers, but what I failed to say was – I understood in the end, this is after the podcast, because I was just trying to reflect upon myself. I go, geez, I was so harsh on the way I communicated. Is that is that really good for me to do that, right, and say <laughs> that? And yes, it is, as long as I would have added this last element, because of what I wasn't doing is I wasn't educating everybody that was listening. And that is, the reason why this horse was favourite is because the old adage is, it they looked at, at – everyone was looking at the form and where it came out of. And when you're up against horses like Nature Strip and that, right, you're going to automatically see that as being a high-grade race. And in essence, there's a lot of truth to that. But you and I, Ralphie, and all the people that are, that are on the journey with us know that this time round for Nature Strip had been running below its performances. And therefore, even though it was being in these Group 1 races and its last start was competitive and the start before it didn't produce, even the numbers that were coming out were soft. They were several lengths behind where it should be. But you see, the market didn't factor that in. What it no. factored in is say, okay, this is the best sprinter in the world. This is, the, this is by far the strongest Group 1 race, as an example. It's come out of that, hasn't been beaten a great margin. Of course, I should be beating my chest up and it should be favourite. Uh, because I had this thought, and I did touch on this part, I thought, are the bookmakers playing a game here to take money out of people? Because <laughs> I had that, you know, silly thought, right? Now, I'm not saying by any means that's 
what their intention was, but ultimately that was the reason why is because when you look at Group One versus Group One horses, and see over the long history of racing, there's always been this understanding that this is one great way of judging the horse's capability outside of a class scale, right? Is that who do they race against, right? But <laughs> the reality is this. Not all group ones are the same. That's the no. first thing, governed by race shape, and we can understand that, right? But Because especially like myself, I'm purely just doing my work off the clock, right? Yep. I'm not bringing weights, measures, and all that into it in terms of class performance, right? But what happens is there was, there was an absolute truth that that's why I was so bullish about the negativity on the horses because we, those group one races were below. They were absolutely below. And that's the reason why Rothfire started the favourite. But the fact is, if we, you know, may have been able to, or if I had been able to maybe extract that a little bit further, might have even given some other people that were listening even more confidence to, well, it was too long a price for me to lay, right? Because yeah. if, if I'm going to lay a run, they've got to be around that low twos or in the red, right? If yep. I'm going to lay a runner, because again, you know, I don't try and outsmart myself. If I can get one in two right for laying, then ultimately I could make money if I'm going to be every now and then participate. But when they're four or five bucks, I don't, I don't want to lay them. You know, I'm not that good, right? You'd rather be each way. This will test you. Yeah, that's it. So that's the reality, right? With Rothfire. So we have seen the horse virtually its best. My takeout is this, and the way I've redone it is, I've said to myself, okay, two. Uh, Rothfire maximum capability into the future is probably two and a half. Everything goes perfect, right? Yeah. So trainer-wise, they've done a fantastic job. From a class point of view, when they have these serious injuries, Ralphie, I've always said you lose at least two to three lengths. Better Loosen Up was the only horse that I'd ever known in my history of, of racing that actually defied that and then went on and won a Japan Cup, right, from a yep. you know, very serious injury. It's the only horse that I know that actually improved later, right? Yeah. Usually all the horses, they go backwards, right? And it seems to be two to three lengths. And it's sad because you are right. Who knows? Rothfire could have been a superstar at 1,200. Could have been. Yeah, well, five point four is borderline Everest when he oh. when he won that lead in as a three year old. So yeah, that's, a, that's how good he's going. To, yeah, it could have turned out to be a plus six played up plus eight horse, and they would have been winning everything. <laughs> Absolutely, a couple of other stakes races we covered in yep. race six: Saint Torio, all the King's Men. There wasn't much between them, and there was there was challenges for both at the price. So head she did want to go uh, go all in. Well, what a, I just reckon, just trying to find something interesting out of the race. To me, the the Bolter Elisa loomed up nearly one. Well, Vince, how often do we say that? There's your riders right there. JB Car going on this, or Asia, I'm sorry. It, it nearly, nearly pinched it, and that, that's what happens. You can get a, an inch perfect ride from a great jockey, and that's how you, you can nearly win at big odds. Yeah, yeah, and and again, let's let's take that into consideration. Last start went to Northam. Was going plus one point nine running still plus 1.1 between the 8 and the 400. And here it is, the horse, she's got the horse travelling at this horse's speed. And yep. it's 2.8 lengths below benchmark. Therefore, it's going to get the maximum out of this runner in the end and actually got it to produce an above benchmark last 400. And you're right, almost pinched the race. 
Uh, the other race, the scale, which is a bit of a Perth Cup lead-in. Well, there was three horses you zeroed in on, and you said you had no interest whatsoever in taking the uh, the Bertolite odds on. Well, I think it was might have been odds on when we spoke. It was it ended up being a dollar ninety at the two ten. Pure devotion, just at the price. Uh, the two you liked were Stafford's Lad at, at big odds and Maracino. You said make sure you have it. Well, could it got have got? It, it just uh, who was the rider there? Troy Tur- did Troy Turner wear a bandit's mask? He, he just got away with robbery. <laughs> I, I must have said to myself, it must have been Damien on it. <laughs> well, it could have been Damien Oliver, Damien Lane, because when they go to the front, because they yeah. don't love being the front, they make sure they do one thing. Okay, if I, if you guys force me to be in front, I will make it as slow as possible, right? <laughs> and I hope you're all going to fall in line and have respect. And this is what they did. They all had respect. <laughs> and... <laughs> It did allow this horse to get with uh, get out to, oh, minus 5.7 first section. You couldn't get it any cruisier than that. And even in the mid-race, it wasn't like a, a super overextension. It went from 5.7 below to plus 3.9. But what it meant, though, is every other runner, right, had to really put big squeezes in there, like Pure Devotion, a 16.9 length mid-race move, Stafford's Lad, 18.1. And what was really funny, when I was going through the numbers on Saturday night and just tu- you know fine-tuning everything in terms of performances, I was thinking of you, Ralphie, and I thought to myself, this, both these horses just look like there must be some other race coming up. Perth Cup. And I go, yeah, that's it. There you go. There you so go. So what, what we'll give the putters here, This, you know what this race shape, oh, I'm not talking the class, I'm talking about the race shape and going forward. This reminds me of the Turnbull Stakes. When you know they, they uh, it was a smoking Romans had that soda in front. Now, who came out of the Turnbull Stakes from back in the field? Gold Trip <laughs> and others, including Val Declare, which could move us to Caulfield. So, what I'm saying is, a couple of those horses that you identified, Pure Devotion and Stafford's uh, Stafford's Lad in particular, you wouldn't be saying that uh, the Perth Cup's out of play on what they've had to do in the mid race. Now, what's the distance of the Perth Cup? Uh, 2400. Oh, gold. Yep. Right, gold. Nice. Uh, well, we just mentioned Van Declare, and, and this is almost a reverse of Rothfire, Vince, in that now he's a superstar star. Obviously, you win a Melbourne Cup, but he just did not come up in 2021. He had three runs. He just didn't produce. Uh, the, the, it had been documented that he had, had some minor ops, and then this time in, he just came back in fantastic form, and you said, well, he's going to he's gonna run really well in good races. Uh, his challenge, of course, was um, after, and we sizzled him when, uh, in that Bart Cummings race at, uh, at Flemington on the uh, on the 1st of October, uh, 0.3 lengths below benchmark, ranked 34th and 31st in the day. 2019 Melbourne Cup winner isn't definitely back due to obvious issues he's had through his career, but his unlucky run in traffic means he has to qualify to get back in the big race, and the data is saying he's certainly good enough to be very hard to beat at that level as a starting point. So what, what I said was just below the best level. He ended up getting into the Caulfield Cup. He ran well there, Melbourne Cup, well beaten, but then back into his right class and a perfect Johnny Allen ride. He got the Zipping Classic. Yeah, are they going to Western Australia with this horse, Robbie? I wouldn't think so, no. I think they'll ah, just okay. say, well, we've we got, we got our nice little win there and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back in the autumn. Right, right. Okay. Well, performance-wise, 0.2 above, that's that's great. Like, that's as good a performance as the, this runner has put in since uh, 2020. Yep. Going 0.2 above. And I give it a little bit more merit from the aspect of this. 3.4 lengths above benchmark. That's a good speed for this horse, Ralphie, where it's at. And not easy. Had to go, oh, you know, lost pretty much 
three and a half lengths, I'd say, all the way down until it got inside the 400. Was that wind-related, Vince? Because it was definitely a headwind up the side yes, there, which so yes. I think by looking at the sheets here, that, that, yeah, it's been part of it. Yep. So I, I felt that they couldn't have got anything more out of this particular horse. And even right down, when you look at the very last 200 metres, there was everything. This horse gave everything and it got victory. What does that mean? Well... It certainly means that the horse hasn't gone backwards, and it probably is a pity that if that's the end of the campaign, because I don't reckon it's the end of the prep for the horse, but maybe there's no other races, right, at this time yeah. of the year. I don't know, right? But now they've got the horse exactly where they want, and I actually feel this horse could probably improve a little bit further off that run. A couple of other highlights. It was an all-stakes card, but it wasn't overly uh, deep uh, quality-wise. But that 1,000-metre Vince uh, Jigsaw, uh, all our members got the write-up from Cranbourne. Best of the day there. It was dynamic. And what I really want to underline here is Daniel Moore, fantastic leading ride because he knew that Yulon Command's a really fast horse. Don't take it on. J- just stalk it. Yeah, well. <laughs> tells yeah, you they right. going, yeah, they weren't going that fast either. That's what I mean, yeah. Yep. Plus <laughs> 1.2 was the lead speed. Yes, yeah, Jigsaw stalking. This this very good horse, Ralphie. Yeah. This Jigsaw's very, very good horse. I have no doubt this horse has got a lot more than that performance of an overall plus 0.1 figure. You can see there in the mid-race, about a 2.1 uh, deterioration again, just the structure of how the race was and the ground conditions of on the day in terms of wind. Managed to sort of finish off that last 200 metres with a 0.9 above. Very, very good. I actually feel... Both the winner and the second horses are racing very well. Uh, overall, plus 1.1 versus 0.8 above. That's a, They were the two horses. They both were second and third best of the day. That yeah. sort of also gives you insight to what the card was like on the day. But Jigsaw, very good horse, Ralphie. Yeah, and Rose Quartz, you'd want to be on it at 1,200? Well, I'd say both of them. Right, okay. So he's, yeah. he's relaxing now. Yep. Yep. Uh, Milford was best of the day, and Vince? Uh, <clears throat> I found it, <laughs> so I was pretty happy. Now, this is sometimes you can just find it knowing a little bit of local knowledge here. And what did we say on the podcast too? Uh, it's after its last run at Rose, that Rose Hill run won by Ellsberg. Um, I said I wanted to be on the first six horses. Well, this horse ran tenth, but it just shows you if you're in a fast race, uh, you, you need to be careful, completely underestimating them. Yeah, and what. <sighs> Well, those are the, this is the thing about eighteen hundred meter races; they can be run, or the very soft, yep. or they run like a mile race and hard and fast. Especially Do if they you're on <laughs> Yeah, that, look, I mean, what on earth? Plus ten point two, Keith. It was uh, seriously. I mean, was that Didn't really what day you Craig knew it, David? <laughs> Craig must have thought he was twenty. Well. Because he, he let on Polar, that was fair enough, 1.1. And uh, the unicorn, now I'm not saying the unicorn bolted on him, but it was bolted on him after he gave it a dig in the ribs. Just for those uh, having a look at the, uh, at, at, who were watching the race at Strung Outfield, how fast was the unicorn going in race four? <sighs> okay, in race four, here we Is go. Is possible? <laughs> yeah, well, the unicorn was looking for records as well, right? Plus 11.3. What on earth was the scenario there? <laughs> so that's off a standing start. at six, So this first 600 metres of a 1,400, and these are, what do you got, 2,100 records, including futurities and horse stakes and everything else like that, uh, 11.3 links above benchmark. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. And just to finish off with, um, 
Uh, and this is mainly, I mean, the horse is probably going to have a break now, but my whisper, I reckon we're talking about Ben Mellon, another guy who's very, very good at getting the best part of the track, particularly at Caulfield, even though he's like he's now a Melbourne Cup winning jockey. Mark Zara, is, is he someone you just want to be on to get the best part of a Caulfield track when he's on the best horse? Well, he's as good as any rider could ever be when it comes to Caulfield. He understands it. No one can understand it better than him. And yep. he just knows how to ride to it. And that makes a massive difference. And you have a look at this run here as well, right? I mean, look at the way he rode this horse. Beautiful. It was I would say from the 600, well, really from the 800 home, it was virtually inch perfect. 0.7 below benchmark, 8 to the 6. 0.1 above between the 6 and the 4. 0.9 above, in other words, increasing the speed by another further three-quarter of the lengths. And then still had another half length. It was like I was watching Nash, right? <laughs> About another half length over the last 200 metres. That's not easy to do. This is really, really difficult. And then you look at the squeeze, either slow down or or increase in pace, right? There it is, 0.6 below. That's as inch perfect as you can get it. Got in the top 10, overall figure, 0.1 below. All right. Uh, this week, the Northerly Stakes, uh, the old uh, Kingston Town, been renamed for the WA star. Uh, $1.5 million, big prize money up for grabs. We'll do a deep dive on Friday on our preview podcast. You can get that via my website, racetrackrealfie.com.au. As well as if you want to become a member of uh, Year Round Carnival, members get best of the day sent to them, both listed and Group 1. Group 1 members, we often do little bonuses, including a bonus podcast, which today, like I said, we're going to have a look at a few of those runners from the winter bottom into the uh, 1400. And also on record, so if you sign up, as a Group 1 member, I will send you the best of the carnival, Melbourne and Sydney, if you become a, uh, a Group 1 member there uh, that I've uh, I've already sent, obviously, to our Group 1 members, the top five winning performances of Melbourne and Sydney. So we support people who support us, and that's our, our little uh, thank yous all the time. All of Vince Cardi's work via dailysectionals.com.au.